Hey guys, welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Maggie. And we interview Asian entrepreneurs around the world to amplify their voices and empower Asians to pursue their dreams and goals. We believe that each person has a message and a unique story from their entrepreneurial journey that they can share with all of us. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. Today, we have a very special guest with us. Her name is Melody Chang. Melody is the co-host and co-founder of the podcast Asian Boss Girl, a podcast for the modern day Asian American women. Her passion lies in storytelling and connecting with people through digital media, especially within the API community. Prior to working at Asian Boss Girl, Melody found her career in digital media by acting as a talent manager, producer for Asian American digital creators, working corporate in social media marketing and studio production for fast fashion, and leading community and social media growth at Jubilee Media. When she's not working on the podcast, you can find her binge watching Korean dramas or as a self-proclaimed comfort cook in the kitchen trying out her mom's recipes. Melody, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Um, Dang, you just got that. That's that's me in a nutshell, really. (laughs) Yes, that is you. Yeah, but we're super excited to have you in the show today. And we really want to learn more about you, Melody. Mm -hmm. Like, where'd you grow up? What was your upbringing like? Yeah, so um, I was raised by a very proud Taiwanese uh, mother um, who immigrated to actually Hawaii at the age of 14. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, being, I was actually analyzing or kind of looking back at my, my, my upbringing, like, why am I so proud to be Asian? I think it really just, she's actually the, probably the core reason or the, the, or the initial reason why. I think my mom being, my mom immigrating to Hawaii at such a young age, like she was never really discriminated against for her race. Cause I think Hawaii has a lot of, you know, API people there and never felt any sense of like, oh, you're Asian, that's gross. She was like, oh yeah, she embraced her identity. And I think by the time she had my brother and I, you know, she moved to the Bay Area and, you know, she would literally just, will be on the street, she'll be speaking Mandarin. She just didn't care. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think her being so shamelessly Asian, I think my brother and I are just very proud to be Asian American. And um, I was really fortunate enough to be taken back to my mother's to my mom's motherland of Taiwan a lot at a young age. So I think going back and being exposed to your culture, you're like, oh, this is so amazing. This is so sick. Like, this is so different from the U.S. And I think um, just being, having that upbringing has really helped, you know, shape my identity. And, you know, I think Maggie, you, you said that you also grew up in the Bay Area. Like Bay Area is extremely diverse. Like yes, in, yes. in my high, yeah, in my high school, like the minorities were the Caucasian people. And I was surrounded by like, a lot of Asians and in my high school specifically at James Logan High um, in Union City, we had a lot of more like Filipino Americans and Vietnamese Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just like had a very proud Asian, I guess like childhood. And then um, I think when I went to college, I was kind of looking for something more specific in terms of my own Taiwanese American identity. Mm-hmm. And I found it with like um, like my ta- my Taiwanese American org on campus. And I got like really into it. Like I was that person that's like, I would leave my house and my roommates like, oh, where are you going? I'm like, oh, I'm celebrating Taiwan's birthday. They're like, oh, okay. Like, they're like, you're a little weird. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm doing it. Um, but I think just, you know, obviously in college, I think a lot of people are trying to like find their careers and find like what they want to do afterwards. And um, I was on like the job portal site and I was like, okay, I guess I like marketing, whatever. And I stumbled upon this internship at the San Diego Asian Film Festival. And I was like, oh, this kind of seems related to what I what I do at school. Maybe I could be good at this. And 
didn't expect much out of the internship because a friend was like, oh, that's so easy, Mel. Just do it. Like I took it before and it's like, whatever. Mm -hmm. So it didn't have much expectations going to that internship. And it turned out I just fell in love with it because I was exposed to like Asian American independent films for the first time. I didn't even know it existed. I was like, yeah, I was like, I was like, oh, like I know Lucy Liu from Charlie's Angels. Like that's a movie, right? Like we don't know about like these indie films and um, just like fell in love with the messaging of the organization. And um, of course, also growing up in the digital era, like YouTube was a huge thing for all of us, you know, so I grew up watching Wong Fu Productions. Mm -hmm. And I think at one of my last years interning at the festival, I, um, they were a guest for that year. And they're like, Mel, do you mind being their liaison? I'm like, I don't mind at all. Like that, please, (laughs) please let me take it on. (laughs) And um, I think just everything seems really aligned. And I ended up um, meeting Wong Fu and then my internship ended. I moved back home, had this like quarter life crisis. Like, what am I doing with my job? And then uh, my mom was like, you better get a full-time job. Everyone, your friends, they're working at Facebook and like they have, they have all their shit together. And what are you doing? I'm like, I'm applying to jobs. And then at that moment, Wong Fu released an internship and I was like, oh, I really want to do this. But like my mom's telling me to get a job. But anyways, I applied, I ended up getting it. I moved out to LA and that's just how it, I started working with Wong Fu and they exposed me to like the whole digital world of Asian Americans in media. And I just feel like mm-hmm. everything just started like, you know, falling to place. But, um, uh, unfortunately that internship also ended because, you know, at that time they weren't looking to bring anyone full-time and I started freelance producing in digital and managing digital artists, such as like Jason Chen, David Choi, and like June Kareon and went on tour with them and definitely was a whirlwind experience because I think when you see people going on tour, you're like, Oh my gosh, you're traveling. You're living the life. I was like, yeah, you see me traveling, but I am not making that much income and I can't afford my rent. Um, (laughs) so I know like literally hustling. Um, and I made a decision to, you know, like as much as I love being exposed to that world, I knew it was time for me to find a full-time job, which led me to my corporate experiences working at, um, uh, I worked for a fast fashion company called textile. And then I did like production work there. And then, um, like social media management skills, I met social media management work. But at that time, I just feel like, I don't know if you guys felt this, but your, your daytime jobs, you're like, this is great. I just feel like something's really missing though. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah we all right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're like, this is great. I love the paycheck, the health insurance, but just something inside me just doesn't feel like it clicks. And right. I think at that time I met Helen and Janet, or we just started hanging out more. And I know Helen and Janet because um, Helen, I met through my internship at Wong Fu because I went out one night and then Phil was like, oh, it's my girlfriend. I'm like, oh, you have a girlfriend? I don't know, you have a girlfriend. <laughs> and then uh, I be, and then Helen and I just really clicked as friends because we both like to like go out and she's very social. Yeah. And then Janet, I met just to like, mutual gatherings because she went to college with Phil and Wes at UCSD. And so just by default, all of us started hanging out. And I think just proximity, we all live around downtown LA, Culver city area. We'd go out and just party and complain, (laughs) complain about our jobs and being like, Oh my God, talk about this one Asian guy, or he's so hot or like just pretty much like the life of like a 20 to 30, you know, Asian American person living in like a metropolitan city. Mm -hmm. And Phil was like, y'all should record this like why this is like normal talk that we have over dinner he's like you guys should talk about the corporate experience like no no one's talking about this and so we kind of just like you're right like and then we start thinking and so we're like okay and then we started asian boss girl yeah and um 
we started Asian Boss Girl as we were working our full-time jobs. I think similar to how you guys both started, you know, Asian Hustle Network, you're balancing both. Mm-hmm. And um, it was great. You know, I was also doing Jubilee Media at the time too, which Jubilee is a great company founded by Jason Wiley. And it, I think for me, it was like an interesting place juggling two digital media companies. And I got to a point with ABG where it's like, hey, like things are kind of picking up. Maybe I should just like take that leap of faith and just go pursue this full-time. So we went full-time last year. Um, yeah, congrats. Thank you. Well, congrats to you two also for going full-time. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm totally rambling at this point. No, we um, like to yeah, hear it because it. it just shows like your journey and your passion mm-hmm. and, and everything, you know, and kind of, kind of curious too. I know you went to James Logan. Were you part yes. of the speech and debate team? No, but I, ho- I know our forensics team is incredible. And also our <laughs> color guard and band was world, like world renowned. Um, I was actually just in choir and leadership. So I was not in forensics or like the debate. Wait, well, you're in debate. Because you're so good at articulating. I'm like, James Logan, huh? All right. And she's speaking the debate because now, you know. Y'all just, y'all just flattering me now. It's so funny because like, I... I never thought I'd be a podcaster. Like hearing uh-huh. me talk, I'm just like, you know, when that point, that part when you hear yourself on the voicemail, you're like, ugh, my <laughs> oh, voice. Yeah. I'll do that. Yeah, I think everyone just naturally doesn't like their own voice, but like, yes. I think my voice is like not deep enough. You know? It's like <laughs> hi, hi, in between puberty. <laughs> no, Brian, you have like a like a like a Asian rapper type of voice. Asian like, I think I hear I hear I hear rappers with that same tone. Uh, this oh, is, this is interesting. I, yeah, and you you have a voice that will like just speak really like you'll be like. Twist up, like just say hella shit at once, oh, you know? Man. Yeah, maybe you should look into that as a I think, I think career. I think, hustle? I think because I know Melody is a podcaster too. Yeah. So I tried to like speak in a very low tone of voice to sound cooler. <laughs> but typically it's like, hi, baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, Maggie likes it. You're fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, to, to go back, yeah, I was a part of a speech debate team. And our, our two schools are always number two and three in the nation. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So that's pretty funny. Um, awesome. but yeah, I mean, it's really cool hearing that, you know, you went to LA and you, mm-hmm. that's, you had this organic connections with people and mm-hmm. the hardest part is like taking action, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, how'd you overcome your mental hurdles and be like, okay, I'm working a corporate job. I have this passion and then I'm working with other two people who also have corporate jobs. How do we find the balance between three people mm-hmm. in order to start? Oh, yeah. And I know you guys all, you know, kind of quit your jobs at the same time. I know it wasn't planned, but mm-hmm. it all kind of worked out miraculously. It was like kind of at the same time and just kind of talk yeah. about our experience, how you guys like had that communication and yeah. it was like, yo, I'm quitting, uh, I'm quitting Thursday. I'm quitting, <laughs> yeah. uh, <Friday>? it was, <laughs> I know. I, th- I still think like there's like, it's called like divine intervention or whatever. But um, for us at that time, so I was really happy at Jubilee. I'm like, why would I want to leave? Like I'm working in like a digital media space where I've always wanted. My team is so young and fun. Like they're, they're killing it. Um, but at that time it was back in, I think February or March of last year, like literally right before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And Janet actually already left her job a few months ago. Cause she just wasn't happy with this, with the, her, um, uh, her company yeah. mm-hmm. and it wasn't a good fit. And Helen actually was thinking about leaving for a while. Cause she's been working her finance for like 10 years. Oh, and mm-hmm. I think at that point she's like, you know, I think I need something new. Like right. I've been there for so long. And for me, no, like I was like, I'm good. Like whatever. <laughs> but I think, I think by just the nature of my role at Jubilee, it started to evolve. And I was kind of just even had really, I had real conversations with Jason about this and we're like, Hey, he's like, Mel, are you actually happy doing this type of work? Mm-hmm. 
he was like, I know you love, love the team, but do you love this work? I'm like, you know, I really, I, I could see myself doing it. He's like, okay, but do you enjoy it? I was like, hmm. Yeah, you're right. Like mm-hmm. my job at Jubilee at the time was, you know, managing community and social media, mm-hmm. but I found myself resonating more with the social media management work. And I think at that time it just made me, I was like, oh, maybe this is not what I want to do, you know? And so we had a real conversation, Jason and I in a meeting, like I literally walked in to present something and I walked out leaving my job and it was like not, not planned. And I think it's nice to have like a boss, like Jason, who's like, he's a friend. And he was like, yeah. you know, Mal, I, I know how it's like, and now how scary it is and daunting to want to start your own thing. I've, I've been there with Jubilee, but where you guys are at, like you've like, you, you made the leap of faith before to like, you know, pursue media right off the bat from college. You could do it again. And, you know, I'm here to support you. And like, I and want you to know that you are going to be supported by people. And so I think after that conversation, I walked out and I called Helen and I was like kind of crying, but I wasn't like, Oh my God, I'm so sad. I lost yeah. my job. It's more like financially I'm fucked. Like, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like, what am I going to do financially? And like, and then and she was like, you know, Mel, I know you're crying right now, but you don't sound that sad. You know, I think, she's like, I think you're excited. And I was like, damn, I think you're right. Like I, I, something about me is like, what is maybe ABG is something I really want to do. Like, I just, in some ways I used to tell people like, um, in my past jobs, you know, working with Asian American creators, I've always been the back end of like, oh, I will be your talent manager. I will make sure you are like taking care of and like, let me just handle your like your day to day and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I've always helped supported someone else's brand and never had time to really focus on my own. Yeah. And so with ABG, I just felt like maybe this is a time I could just focus on my own brand. And we took the leap of faith and it was it was crazy. Um, and then pandemic hit. We're like, OK. Great. Pandemic hit just when we wanted to go full time. Um, and I think this kind of relates to like, um, Brian, you asked about like, how's like navigating work-life balance and everything. It's, it definitely was um, and it, something we all had to go through all three of us because, you know, naturally we're like best friends. So we know each other on a friendship level and kind of like a part-time work level. Like when we we're doing ABG part-time, like you would message on Facebook, like in between like bathroom breaks, like, Oh, did you check on that? Okay, cool. But now when you're doing it full time, we're like, wow, I really see how you work. And I see how I work and we're very different. Mm -hmm. And my background is in creative Helen's in finance. And it's like a blend of both. So it's like, how do you mix these three different moving, very different people together to make a, to create a business. And so um, luckily we do have the years of friendship and I think naturally by the pot on the podcast, we get really vulnerable. So I kind of get to know them really quicker. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of times we're like, Hey, like, do you mind if we talk about this? Yeah. Like we're, I always say we're in a relationship because I think I'm like married to them. You Cause it's married. just, yeah. Two we're married. You're yeah. Married. Yeah. yeah I'm married to four people. Yeah. Right. And to be honest, like everyone, you know, teach their own. I'm not an open type of relation person. So I'm used to just dealing with myself for one. So I'm just like, how do I deal with all these people? Um, but it really is just, I think I always tell them or we tell each other is like, at the end of the day, like we're our relationship and friendship is comes first, but I see them really as family. And so for us to navigate these, like, okay, um, what's you work better this way. Okay. I work better this way. How can we come together and meet in the middle? So we're both like feeling fulfilled in our job. Mm -hmm. So just for us is like really open communication. Luckily, I I don't think you could do this in a corporate setting because it's kind of inappropriate, but for us to be like, Hey, are you okay? Like, did that bother you? Like talking things through like very open as of kind of like as friends in the business setting that has benefited us in terms of like uh, making sure we're like the process is streamlined and we're on the same page. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's extremely difficult, you know, and yeah, 
I guess from the outside world, when you look at you guys, like, oh, you guys have great chemistry, great mm-hmm. synergy. You probably never get into arguments at all, but it's not true. I mean, even with me mm-hmm. and Maggie working too, it's like, all right, we're in a relationship first. Yeah. You're yeah. like, oh, you're yeah. not yeah. there. <laughs> It's like, it's two different people, and in your case, three different people coming from totally different worlds, you know? Yeah. You guys are three different people. Yeah. And so you're bound to have, you know, disagreements and arguments and stuff like that, especially when you're passionate about something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I I really love how, you know, you kind of told us your story because we just had a podcast with Jason Wiley last Mm. week. And he was just talking about the culture and the values of Jubilee Media. He's a really cool guy, by the he way. He is such a cool so guy. Great. And I love how he just kind of like, you know, used your meeting time to talk about like your passion and like what you're actually passionate about. I think like if that meeting was geared towards a different topic, you wouldn't have quit so so fast so early, right? Yeah, yeah. no, for sure. And I think I learned so much for being a part of Jubilee. Like mm-hmm. uh, whenever I talk to Jason, I'm just like, oh, like I always get yeah. a little like this small dose of emotionalness because I'm just like, man, you like, Jubilee is all about empathy. So imagine our team meetings. Everyone go around and share. It's like feelings time all the time. And I'm I'm a big feeler. I'm like, yeah, let's share my feelings. Let's go. Versus other people are just like, oh, okay. Like, but he really cares about people. And I think that really translated well. And I think for me, learning how he navigates and also Jason in, in general, he's incredibly intelligent. So like, he knows how to like, he just, I used to tell people he's one of the best bosses I've ever had because Jason is so level-headed too. Like he doesn't like, he's not, he doesn't like um, make decisions based on emotion. He knows how to give you like, like good feedback and criticism, constructive criticism. Cause he's not like, Oh, everything's fine and dandy, but I just, you learn a lot about how to, how to communicate to someone with, by working with Jason. So I think I learned how to kind of be very open with how to like open a communication from my Jubilee team. And I bring that into ABG as much as I can. Yeah. Right. I, yeah, I really like that a lot too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you look back on your work experience, you know, it's crazy how as an entrepreneur now, you draw on every single experience that you ever had in your life to mm-hmm. make decisions, you know? Mm-hmm. Not pretty crazy to think yeah. about. Yeah, and, it's it's insane. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, just talking about Asian Boss Girl and, you know, you know, getting that podcast running, how did you kind of determine who your target audience was like? And like, how did you get the word out for the podcast? He's like, all right, we're just going to talk about ourselves for this. And <laughs> yeah. come on. <laughs> I'll just um, yeah, I think at that time, we we're talking about why do we want to do a podcast is, you know, naturally working corporate jobs. We're like asking ourselves, like we, we would share a podcast. Like, oh, have you listened to how I built this? Or, oh, have you listened to Oprah? So we just start sharing like podcast mm-hmm. episodes with each other. Yeah. Yeah. And then we realized like, oh, podcasting, the podcasting world is actually very popular for working nine corporate people because yeah. I can't be like, like typing away on my laptop and watching this. Like, I mean, I could watch YouTube <laughs> videos cause that was my job, but like before I couldn't like watch like a bunch of videos or like consume other types of like media because it was, it's not, it's not, you can't do that work. It's, it's, it's like not right mm-hmm. or it's inappropriate and it's frowned upon. So I'm um, realizing, Oh yeah, maybe the, and as working women, I think podcasting space makes sense for us because everyone can, our friends and our peers consume this. So it just made, yeah. it just made like the, it was like the perfect platform for us. I think also knowing the fact that we, we are a target audience for like, wait, like the fact that, you know, Hey, we did notice that there's not a lot of people working or even on YouTube or on the podcasting space talking about what is it like working nine to five? Yeah. How, how do you balance that life? Cause like, I love YouTube and I watch a lot of beauty influencers and like, um, like uh, other people on, on, on YouTube, I'm like, Oh, but their life is very different than mine. Mm 
Mm-hmm. So that relatability was always kind of missing for me. Mm-hmm. And so for the podcast, we're really intentional. Like, let's just share our story. Like, you know, we're nine to five working women. Let's see who could relate to that. And so um, I think by default, we just kind of just shared our personal stories as Helen, Mel and Janet, like navigating dating, working and like family um, in our twenties and thirties. And I think we just found a lot of reception. Like, Oh, everyone's like, Oh, I, that's like me. I relate to that. We're like, Oh, wow. I think we really found our community in our, in our, in our niche. Yeah. So I think it was just like a very organic thing. Cause right. um, I also feel it, it's nice. I mean, for me too, it's just like, it's nice to speak on something. It feels so like, like, like it just feels very natural to talk about this. Cause I think working in social media, like one thing I learned is that when you're managing a brand, you have to speak in that brand's voice. Yeah. And sometimes that brand's voice isn't really authentic to who you are. Like mm-hmm. I used to work at this, like for fast fashion, I had to like social, uh, social media manage shoes. Yeah. When I'm writing copy, I had to be like, yo, like step it up. Or like, um, say things like, are you catching the super bowl this weekend? And oh just, my goodness. Like, Girl, I, I know I'm not gonna lie. I was like, my, like manager, <laughs> my manager's like, Oh my God, Mel, that's so creative. I'm like, oh, I was like, yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. But it just feels kind of like inauthentic to kind of who you are. Mm-hmm. So having ABG felt refreshing to be like, I could just literally truly speak as an, like in my, like as Mel, as an Asian American woman, yeah. um, in terms of branding and marketing, um, I mean, I did work in social media marketing, so it definitely helped in my background to like figure out, okay, what's our branding? Yeah. Um, um, how do I want our social media feed to look? And I think what also helped us in the beginning is that, you know, obviously we're all connected with Phil from Wong Fu and he like helped us edit the first season and taught us how to edit the following seasons. And he does have a strong influence in the community and like, you know, being a creator in here for so long. Mm-hmm. and he did like spread the word and then we shared we shared the podcast with our friends which ended up sharing they started sharing with their friends and we just got a lot of good support in the beginning yeah and I think for us in terms of marketing like I we always told ourselves too is that okay we have really great friends that could spread the word for us mm-hmm. but it's our job to make sure this content is great because people could come to our page but if the content sucks they're gonna leave yeah mm-hmm. how do you how do you retain your audience right yes. so we put on ourselves to like what are the topics where you feel excited to talk about mm-hmm. are they are they a variety of topics i don't want to just talk about like love for three fucking episodes yeah. like, it has to talk about like careers and like yes. how can we even go deeper and be like how what are the real struggles people are not addressing so mm-hmm. figuring out the topics and the variety of it kind of helps us with like marketing the topics and the, and the content and um social social is just fun for me. It's like, okay, let's do photos. Like photos is dynamic. Just figuring out what works for your feed mm-hmm. um, is something we kind of like looked into. And we chose Instagram intentionally because at that time when I was like kind of researching which platform makes sense for us, um, I really look at engagement as my like metric of success for audience. And so at that time, Instagram had the highest engaged yeah. engagement for our audience versus like a Facebook or Twitter. So it's like, okay, let's use Instagram to market. So it was kind of, it was de- definitely intentional with marketing and branding in the beginning for us. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I really liked uh, your, your strategic thinking at the very beginning and just really getting the word out, building the foundation, building confidence, mm-hmm. gaining more momentum to, to you guys get to get where you are, is, to get where you guys are right now. It's absolutely amazing. Congratulations on your success. Yeah. Thank you. And I think a big part of it also, like you touched on Melody, is like you are, you three are so true to yourself. Just talking about, 
topics that we don't normally talk about out loud. I feel loud. like we're best friends right now, already, you know? <laughs> right? <laughs> you talk about anything from like mental health, sex, relationships, like stuff that we want to like learn more about and like try to find YouTube videos about, but mm-hmm. there's just so much out there that like it's hard to kind of pinpoint on what you want to find. I do a shameless plug for your podcast, okay? <laughs> I was listening to some of your episodes throughout the entire week to prepare for this podcast. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Like, oh, they said that? Like, which, wait, which, one, which one did you listen to? Oh, so, all right. We'll, we'll take this offline. It's about, it's about sex. That's fine. Oh, our sex, our sex one? That's, that's yeah. Cool. yeah. Like, see, like, like on Instagram, like people would sh- reshare your podcast episodes and be like, oh my God, this one was so relatable, right? Like, especially girls just talking about things that they can't normally talk about like mm-hmm. in person or out loud yeah. or they don't know who to talk to about it, right? And so just yeah. like listening to your podcast and hearing you three talk about those topics is it's just so comforting. Right? You, got, you got me listening for an Asian, Asian boss boy podcast. Come on, <laughs> I know. What's going on here? I know. Someone I asked that. about that too. I mean, someone should start it, you know? No, but I, I agree. Like, I think even for myself, like I would be looking for this content and like, there's there's so many like different like one topic has so many different ranges right like for example sex like the things when i'm looking for it's either like kind of like shied like brushed over because people are like just like not comfortable it's taboo in our community too or they go like hella into it i'm just like okay like yeah like okay done didn't know that. so it's like how can i find like what what's my comfort level talking about sex is probably in between so like i think just sharing that's like okay and you know what it is too i feel like when you're on instagram or like in media you see everything so polished like oh sex is gonna look so sex or love is gonna be this beautiful it's like girl it's messy it's awkward (laughs) it's like all these other things that we need to share because i think as a kid growing up like I was like, oh, I had certain visions of things because yeah. based on what I saw on screen or I, what I read in books, I'm like, this is not true, dude. This is not reality. Yeah. yeah. So sharing the reality of things, you know, is what we try to do but through our experiences, our awkward experiences. <laughs> yeah, I love I love how honest you guys are to your mm-hmm. audience too. I'm, I'm kind of curious too. I mean, like now that you're doing this, what was your mom's opinion? Mm, yeah. I was going to ask that too. Yeah. Um, oh, like, mama. Yeah, I mean, I think all of us can relate to the fact of wanting to make our parents proud and making sure like, um, you know, they, they immigrated here hoping to, you know, have us have, you know, their children to be stable. And my mom and I overall have a really great relationship. But the only time we had a sense of tension was literally when I told her, I was like, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to move to L.A. to do this Wong Fu internship. She's like, what are you doing? Like what? She's like, my mom's like the most like she gets excited when she gets things at Ross on sale. Like she loves penny pinching. That's that her thing, like right? My mom, <laughs> right? My mom has this game of like, guess how much this costs. Like that's her game. Yeah, my mom does the same thing too. My mom does the same thing too. She's oh. like, guess how much this costs. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, ten dollars. Like no, five. I'm like, all right. So I think she, my mom comes from a place where she likes like finance. Being financially conservative, it's I guess falls yeah. under. The category my mom is oh. and I think the fact that I didn't get a full-time job right away she was like oh like I hate that my daughter like is not you know and she also kind of wants to, like humble brag you know like oh my my friend's kids are doing this I'm like great I don't want to work at Facebook even though they have great food um <laughs> all this stuff really but <laughs> right they have really good food um but I think for me like it was really hard the couple of years when I was like navigating like working the creative field because she saw how much I made she's like oh it's not a lot and like I would 
cry a lot. And it's it just learning. And I think at that time, the thing I learned the most is like how to communicate with my Asian mother, what's going on without offending her, or hurting her feelings. So that's something I learned with that experience. But I think eventually I told her, I said, Hey, like, I understand your concern and I get it, but like, you do understand that like leading up to like 22, mm-hmm. I've never in this quote unquote failed you. And you've been really proud of me ever since. Mm-hmm. And you have to know that I, I know how to make the right decisions for me. Like ever since I was a child, I, I, I go with my gut and my gut has never stared me in the wrong, wrong way. And so I was like, trust me on this. And I gave her a timeline saying, let me do this for one year. That way you also understand on your end that this is not like long-term. And by default, the one year turned into more years because I started getting like corporate jobs. I got paid more. And even now, like with ABG, it's funny you ask, like, how did your mom take it? Because I was, um, we went full, we, all three of us internally are like, okay, we're going to do this now. And I was like, oh, I have to tell my mom. Yeah. Like my mom heard about the podcast because I had, she had her on the episode, but she didn't know, like, she was like, oh, that's a fun project you're doing. That's great. Like, that's all she thought it was. Yeah. And I called her just to catch up. And just by default, I don't know how, it was just very natural in the conversation. My mom was kind of going off about how like saying, cause I have like, you know, extended family that has definitely come from really great background. They have good, they're set for life. Mm-hmm. And mom was saying like, you know, I know like I don't have that for you and your brother. Like I don't have this like inherited company. I don't have this like bunch of money that get passed down to you and your brother. But, you know, I'm so proud that at least my kids are very self-made and they're making on their own. I'm really proud of, proud of that as a mom. And I was like, oh, that's really nice, mom. Mm-hmm. Funny you mentioned that. Um, um, that's really awkward for me to say, <laughs> um, but we decided to go full-time with the podcast. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, and then she's like, she's like, I, I believe in you. I trust you. And I think, and I think you're going to do great. And she's like, you know, um, let me know if you need anything, help, any help. I'll be here. If like financially, like whatever, like just, yeah. and I was like very moved by that. Cause I'm just like, damn, like my mom literally is like, okay with me pursuing a creative career when she didn't was like kind of against in the beginning. And, mm-hmm. you know, she's like so supportive. She literally went to our meetups and like, we'll take photos and like help set up balloons and stuff for us. And yeah. she would even like, like, even when we release a video on YouTube, she'd be the first one in our family chat to be like, Oh, Melody has a new video. And I just felt kind of like, like, it makes me so proud. I'm making her really proud. And she'll always ask me, how's ABG doing? Like, are you guys doing okay? And I feel like, I feel like I got to a point where like, I feel really like I did it as a daughter. Like I made her proud. Mm-hmm. I, obviously there's more things I definitely want to do. Like, you know, pay for a plane ticket somewhere. But I think having her support means so much to me. And it's something I definitely want to acknowledge because I know that's something that not a lot of people have with their parents. And so I feel very fortunate that I have my mom who's very very supportive of what I'm doing. Yeah. Oh, I'm tearing up. That uh, was very I felt a huge rush yeah. of emotions where yeah. there's like a, a slight tense and a cool breeze. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense or not. Yeah. yeah. I, I did feel that. I think usually like Asian parents, they just like, Brian and I talk about all the time, like how they just want the best for us and yeah. want us to be happy. Right. But the only thing that they know is like, just like, you know, those viable careers that are at the top of mm-hmm. their mind, like, you know, you have to have a stable job and yeah. benefits, but they don't, I think because you come from a different generation, they don't see how like, you know, we can make money being in mm-hmm. like media or mm-hmm. like content creation. So it's just hard for them to understand, you know, but it's yeah. okay. I think that, you know, when we actually make that decision and they can see that, that we grew up into the person that we are today, 
like they are able to kind of understand us from our point of view and, and trust us, right? Because mm-hmm. we grew up and, you know, we're no longer like little kids anymore. And so and they, that trust our us. parents just want to see us happy. Yeah. Yeah, it's no, for sure. I think it's something it's like, it's hard because I also think being Asian American, like we grew up in a sense of like, you feel guilt, like not like doing what they want to do because guilt is like the biggest way of punishment, I think. But um, yeah, we just feel, I just feel, we just feel bad. Like we want to, it's like, how do we, we juggle this? Like we want to make you happy. We also want to be happy. And like, there's a sense of like feeling selfish of wanting to pursue what you want to do because you know, that's kind of upsets them. But Maggie, I think you're right. It's because um, they come from a different generation and their values are a little bit different. Um, But yeah, it's, are your parents like supportive of what you guys are doing? Um, so with my dad, I left my job twice, right? I left the first time to start a real estate company. And I remember eating dinner and he stopped eating. He's like, he stands up and walks out to a different room. Cause I left my, my high paying engineering job. I used to be a software, uh, right? He's like, Oh my God, I can't believe you did this. Um, but through the real estate company, I showed that I could be successful. And then I decided to get a software engineering job again. Cause I wanted to keep my parents happy. Yeah. And I left that again for Asian Hustle Network. But second time around, he's a lot more supportive. He's like, you know mm. what? You're still young. You can do this. I got it. And I remember like using his phone for like GPS, right? And then mm-hmm. I was looking through his, I clicked through his apps by accident. I saw like he was like Googling Asian Hustle oh. Network. And every single time, <laughs> it was like at least like 18 or 19 tabs in Asian Hustle Network. He saved every single article we were on like LA Times or Bloomberg or something. And all our YouTube channels and Facebook pages always like constant refresh. And every time we hit a milestone, I, he's the first person to text me. He's like, congratulations on, on 70K likes and on your yeah. group or page or whatever. And he's like, now that you're on Clubhouse, it's like, we see that like you're growing really fast too. Like, he's just a lot more support than I thought, you know, because yeah. I had a, a kind of a tiger dad in some ways where he's like, yeah. oh, my son is not a failure. You have to get Pokemon, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can only imagine also different to navigate like a father, a father-son relationship versus a mother-daughter. It's different too. There's like a little, I, I think maybe the stereotype is like, you know, emotions, it's hard to even show. It's yeah. even support or love. It's, it's hard to translate, you know, in that type of dynamic, but that's, that's that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Totally relatable to your story too, because, you know, my parents sat me down and they're like, you know what, we're not that rich. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, you had to defend for yourself. And, you know, when you told a story, it's like, man, like you really tug a heartstring in my heart because it's like, you know, my mom, my parents didn't admit to me, like, look, there's nothing to inherit. (laughs) We're Uh gone, you know? Yeah. All we can give you is our values and a strong work ethic. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, how about you, Maggie? Yeah. So my parents, so I was actually working um, in tech before quitting my job to work on Asian Hustle Network full time. So I had, you know, benefits, you know, I had a stable income. And so my mom would always be telling me like, don't quit your job. You know, you have a good job. You have good benefits. Like, you know, just stay at your job and and be safe. Right. So yeah, when I actually quit my job, I didn't even tell my parents. I told my sisters. And so I told my sisters not to tell my parents because I didn't want them to worry. Mm-hmm. I forgot that my mom has Facebook and that you yeah. see everything. And so Brian actually posted in the Asian Hustle Network group that I quit my job. Congratulations, Maggie. <laughs> so, so she's actually in the Facebook group. So she saw and found out through Facebook, but they didn't even reach out to me and say like, you quit your job. I think they knew that I didn't want them to worry. And it's mm-hmm. kind of like, if she wanted to tell us, like she would tell us when she's ready and stuff like that. Yeah. But like they would bring it up sometimes and they'd be like, Hey, you're still paying for the bills for a house. Like, do you want us to take over the bills? I'm like, no, no, no. I just don't want them to worry. Her parents are extra support. My dad's like, you're still paying for bills, right? I'm like, 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you, got, you got that balance there. Right, right. But yeah. there's definitely something there. I think that's like, there's like this, um, I, I could kind of relate about like how your mom, like she probably, she knows, but she also wants to respect your, respect yeah, your boundary. Yeah. Like she'll tell me when she's comfortable. Right. Uh, but it's always like this, like quiet support too. Yeah. In, in some ways. Right. With that, I think it's really, really, um, it's really within the Asian American community. You see that a lot too. So exactly. yeah, that's, but I, I like resonate with you too, because my parents couldn't understand like how I would possibly make money because they're just like, how would you make money from Asian hustle network? But at the same time, they like started to trust me more, you know, like they just, you check in on me to see yeah. if I'm like working too hard, you know, make sure I take a break, yeah. make sure I'm looking out for my mental health. And they're saying like, if you need help, like, just let us know. But like, I don't want to, I think also in the Asian culture, like, I don't want to, you know, burden them with like mm. asking for money and stuff like that. Yeah. Obviously I'm not making as much as I am in corporate, yeah. time, but I do want to make them proud, you know? And so, you know, just kind of like putting it out there on like Facebook, they like see everything that happens on Facebook. And my mom's always like, do you want me to join this Facebook group? Like I saw this notification, like, <gasps> isn't that, isn't that so cute? Yeah. 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 Like, I think it's really, I think it's so sweet how our parents are finding ways within our like, like platforms, like Facebook, Instagram to support. Like they're like, cause I think for them, it's like, oh, if I join that one membership will be sweet. So like that would do so much. Uh My mom had this thing where, so my mom has been teaching my great aunts, like my grandpa's sisters, how to go on Instagram or whatever. And my mom's like, oh, do you want me to teach this uncle? He could give you a like. I was like, okay. That was nice. (laughs) <laughs> very kind I, I appreciate thought but it's okay but yeah. I think it's very endearing to see how our parents are trying to like insert themselves into our life to support us in mm-hmm. ways that are very foreign to them you know right, right. yeah exactly yeah. Mm-hmm. I definitely I mean I, I love these stories too but mm-hmm. I, I definitely want to hear more about like your your entrepreneur journey too mm-hmm. like we understand that the entrepreneur journey can be very hard difficult and you look at the end of the day you have to look deep into yourself like do you want mm-hmm. to do this? Because you're constantly being tested every 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 day. Like there's a fire every day, you know. Yeah. Like, can you talk a little, little like a little bit about your highs and lows, and like Ooh, yeah. you really look yourself deep in the mirror and be like, Melody, what are you doing? Yeah, let me think real quick. Um, <laughs> it's it's hard because like I remember this night when I was it was literally two months before we went full-time and I was in SF and grabbing drinks. So literally for some reason, all my friends at that time, there's like three dudes. Uh, no, I was not dating any of them. Um, and uh, <laughs> there's three guys and all of them were entrepreneurs. And I didn't even realize that I was like, Oh shit. Like one was like a culinary chef. He's like his own chef. One is a photographer. And one was also started his own video production company in the Bay. And I'm like, and we're talking, they're like, Mel, when are you, you know, there's going to be a time where you have to pull that trigger and make that leap. And I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, no, I could do this. Like, I still love my job. Like why? Uh-huh. Like there's going to be a time where you're going to have to make that jump and you and you have to like be like ready for it and you can do it. And I'm like, okay. Like kind of like, I kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah I get it. Um, and then fast forward to like, I'm, I'm quitting Jubilee. I'm just like, what is going on? Like what is happening here? And to be honest, I think there's a, like a, it was a weird feeling of even to this day, I find it really weird to call myself an entrepreneur because I don't know if, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess I am one. I, I just weird to be like, I am an entrepreneur. It just feels like a title that's kind of like, kind of um, daunting. So just yeah. like, it feels like there's so many things to like live up to as an entrepreneur, right? Um, 
so I was go like, oh, I'm a podcast host or a founder. Like, I just like, I feel like I kind of go that route more, but I think it's learning how to really embrace being an entrepreneur. And it's something, I think for me, it's a working relationship because um, I don't know. I think like, even like with an ABG, I'm like, okay, do I see myself as a CEO? Do I see myself as like a marketing director? Like within this role, what do I see myself as, mm-hmm. you know? So I think the term entrepreneur is something I am still trying to like grapple and really embrace mm-hmm. in terms of like, I guess like ups and downs. It's been, it's a lot. I think we didn't expect, I mean, ABG, we didn't expect to go full-time and all that stuff. But I think for me, it was, there was a time, I think I kind of talked about a little earlier today, but like um, when COVID happened, obviously Helen, Jenna and myself had to like figure out how to work together in this space. Mm-hmm. And there was a moment where I think all three of us are going through things personally because everyone's trying to like, kind of process COVID and it's affected everyone differently. And for me, I just felt in a really weird place and affected my work. And I felt kind of like not motivated. And I think all three of us felt moments of it. And we had to talk, we had to talk about it and be like, yo, what's going on? Like, what is happening with all of us? Like, are we happy with the speed of work we're doing? Why are you not happy? What, like, what, what is missing for all three of us that needs to like freaking ignite this engine in us. Right. Okay. And I learned during that conversation is like, I was like, you guys, like, I think for me, I really need to understand why are we doing this again? We just kind of like leaped into ABD full time, like we're doing it and then we had a pivot and it felt like for me, we're just doing things. Like we're just kept like next episode, next thing and whatever. And it was, yeah, I'm someone that I really want to cherish the moment of like, we're doing this. This is incredible. This is so much fun. And, and that those few months of last year, I thought I lost that. And I was like, okay, I was like, what is my why? Like, why am I doing this? And like, why am I doing this? full time. And I had to ask them like, why are you guys, can you guys list out to me? Why are you pursuing ABG full time? What does this fulfill for you? Mm-hmm. Because I'm someone that I'm driven by why. If you tell me what, and what are we doing? That doesn't, for me, that doesn't translate. So I had to be like, why, why does, what does ABG mean to me? Why am I doing this? Why is this significant? I had to answer these questions and I had to ask them too. Can you please answer them as well? Mm-hmm. Cause I want us on the same page. Mm-hmm. And after that, after that conversation, we also like talk through like, okay, what is our working styles? Do you want to, yeah, you want to turn up a little bit? Can you, and then we also check on each other. Like, can you mentally handle this? Mm-hmm. Can you turn up, can you turn up the engine? Can you, can we speed it up? Okay, we can, let's speed it up a little bit. And ever since that conversation of that why and knowing like our like bandwidth and our mental health capacity, I guess, with the work, it's been like a constant, like we just like roomed it up. You know, like we, I remember we always say like, we, I feel like a car and I always like describe us as a car because I think all three of us have different strengths. And for me, it's for me to remember this because, you know, on the day to day, things get things get tough. You're like, like you might get like, oh, this annoyed me or like whatever. But like remembering like our strengths and our team, like for me, I always say like Helen's Helen to me is like the gas pedal. She knows how to like she's so good at getting shit done. Like she's smart too. like she's just she's good. She's like always like she, she could steer as well. For me, I always think of, as me, the why I'm like the map. Mm. I want to know a direction we're heading to. Cause I want to feel like I have a purpose in this mm-hmm. and Janet, she's like our gas. Like she, we need that. She's like literally like so supportive. She's like, a, like so good at everything too, that we need her to continue along this path. And I think all three of us are needed to like drive this car or else want to be just sitting there. Like, where are we going? Mm-hmm. So I think whenever we have moments of like tough times of like, Oh man, like this is like some days are longer than others. You guys probably know, like there are days when I might be working till 10 PM or 11 because a call is coming in or something last minute happened. And that's something I need to like understand 
that is kind of the nature of being an entrepreneur. Like the hours are not nine to five anymore. Mm -hmm. And I try to just stay true and remember like, what's my, why, what are, what, what's our strengths and what are we, why are we doing this? Um, I think another thing that's really difficult for me personally that I, I go through maybe separately than those two, two, my two co-hosts is that I love a very, I used to love nine to five because like, cool, five, don't talk to me. I'm done. I get to like do my own thing and I get to like lounge and veg out, but now being an entrepreneur, you have to be ready to go. And someone taps you, you're like, wait, what is it? What do you need? Mm-hmm. And you have a team now you're like, does your team, like your team needs you for support. But I'm like, man, like, I mean, I'm so used to turning off. Yeah. How do you create this mental balance for yourself? You're like, okay, I'm my, my, my default, my job is I'm always on my phone, yeah. but that will affect me like mentally. Right. So it's accepting that like, okay, my job is going to require a little bit more out of me. It's not the typical eight hours a day. What is my threshold that I could feel comfortable working? Okay. Maybe nine hours today. Maybe I'll take a, a nap, you know, I'll take a nap. I get to take a nap during the day to help me last longer and um, understanding what works for me. I think the last thing I learned during the tough times as an entrepreneur is that like, I'm no longer an employee. I am like a CEO now and no one's going to advocate for myself besides my, besides me. Before you used to tell your manager, I'm having a hard time balancing this. Do you mind taking this off my plate? Or do you, how can I better like manage my time with these projects? Now that you're your own boss and you're the CEO and some as like the biggest, I guess like the highest you can on the totem pole, mm-hmm. no one's going to advocate for yourself, but your, but you. So you have to know your boundaries and be like, Hey, Hey guys, I'm having a, like a, today's kind of tough. I'm going to be, I'm going to be, I'm going to log off all day tomorrow. Things like that. So mm-hmm. that confidence is kind of difficult to be like, Hey, like, I'm sorry. I got to take time off, like learning how to be confident in saying, Hey, I'm going to take a few hours off tomorrow. I'm doing this because you know how much work you put in previously. Right. So how do you advocate for yourself? That's the thing I'm, I'm still learning how to do as an entrepreneur, as a CEO or founder. But I think these are things that I'm like, are really important for me yeah. Yeah. that to have longevity in this, like in this journey. Because mm-hmm. it is a huge that. rabbit hole. You know, like there's always so much work yeah. to do. Mm-hmm. Right. There's always, there's always something. Yeah. Always like, oh, that's a great idea. Oh, that's that's a great idea. And before you know it, your bandwidth's so full. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but you are the beating heart of the organization. If you burn out, it's done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So take care of yourself first. Yeah. Take care of your, your co-founders too. Yeah. I love sure. that like zoomed out and gave that car analogy. Like that helps me understand how you three are and how you guys work together too. And it's so true. Like we're always like in the weeds as an entrepreneur, just like doing the day-to-day tasks. Mm-hmm. It's easy to forget. Like, why are we doing this? Like, what is the reason? Right. Yeah. Like zoom out and think about that from time to time is so important to yeah. keep going. Especially in the Asian culture too. It's like, yeah. it's so mm-hmm. for us to like overwork because there's so much mm-hmm. glory in that. Yeah. You know? But, yeah, for sure. And it's like also hard to say even like mental health, like we don't talk about this in our community, but like, I think it's extremely important because I think it's also in our, in our nature to like, do, to not want to disappoint. Like, I, that's why I think advocating for yourself, whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you're just working full time, it's hard because you're like, I don't want to, I'm a people pleaser. I don't want to disappoint you. I want to make sure I'm just doing the best job I can. And sometimes doing the best job you can, you overexert yourself, yeah. but how can you be like, Hey, this is a little too much for me. And I think a lot of young people have difficult T's doing that because they're so new to the game of corporate, corporate careers. Like I was talking my intern and I could tell she was a little like hesitant hesitant to like share how many hours she's been working at her other team. I'm just like, you have to tell them yeah. how much time you're working on certain projects because they're in their own, they're not, it's not that they're being careless about you. They're thinking about their own like work. So it's your job to be like, Hey, blank, 
this project took me two hours versus their 30 minutes you expected. So I need to like move things around, but it's hard. It's hard to talk about this stuff. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Thank you for touching upon yeah. that too. I mean, appreciate you being so vulnerable and authentic in our conversations. I know those two words are often thrown around a lot, but in this case, it's like, it's, yeah, we need to hear this because, you know, when we look at Asian boss girls, it's like, wow, like, you guys have your, have your shit together. And everything must have fallen into place, divine intervention, all that, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. out, of, out of curiosity, too, how'd you come with the name Asian Boss Girl? Um, it was, um, it was supposed to be a wine in a bottle. <laughs> so dumb. Um, <laughs> because, okay, when we first started, we're like, uh, we could just like go on the mic and just drink a bunch of wine uh-huh. and just talk about our life. And, and we're like, okay, want a bottle. We're just joking around about it. And then we heard the first episode and Phil's like, y'all, you guys sound way too drunk. <laughs> no, and we're like, no, we don't. Cause we're in, and then we heard it. We're like, oh shit. Yeah. We sound really bad. And so we realized for us, cause we had three people, I don't know about YouTube, but like having three people on the, yeah, the mic is like, hard. how do you, how do you coordinate? Like, oh, oh and you're like, oh, you go, oh, it just, it becomes like this, uh, uh, this kind of weird game. And then you go, and then you go on tangents and then uh-huh. one of us will be like, what was the question again? Like, what was it? Like, it's like you lose focus on the topic. And yeah. so like after a couple of tries, we're like, all right, I don't think free, like let's nix the wine. That's not going to work. So we started, started outlining our podcast and Asian boss girl came about because we we're like, what can describe who we are? I mean, we're Asian American women. Like we're working nine to five. What is it? And then we, t- we talked about the acronym, like ABG. Cause like I definitely use the term ABG in college and like, you know, yeah. po- like when you go clubbing, it's like, yeah. right? You're like, do I look like an ABG tonight? Like, are my lashes too? Okay, it's whatever. But there's definitely like a negative connotation to like Asian baby girl. Uh-huh. And um, I think it came from the, the 1990s, like the term ABG. But um, we're like, you know, there's definitely an ABG Asian baby girl in all of us, like all a lot of Asian American women. But right now it's a little bit we're more, we're more involved now. We're Asian boss women, Asian boss girls, because now we're working, you know, maybe we might show a little skin here from time to time, but mm-hmm. it's okay. And like, it's how, how, how do we embrace that? Like Asian baby girls side of us that we were, but now we're evolved as Asian American, like Asian right. boss girl. So it's finding that like, I think for us, Asian boss girl is that term of like, we are constantly evolving as Asian American women and that's fine. It's okay to be a little bit sexy. It's okay to be a little bit more vocal, but mm-hmm. that is part of who we are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, that's, I think if, so for us, Asian boss girl just sound like a perfect fit. Love, Love it. Love the name. So Melody, we have one last question for you. And that is what one advice could you give to an Asian boss girl or an Asian boss boy for that matter? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. Um, dang, that's hard, man. There's so much, yeah. there's so many gold nuggets I learned from like my other like friends. Even like Jason gives me really good advice. Um, I think for me personally, that worked is always stay true to your why and know your why, like know your mission. Because you could, again, you can get lost in the weeds of the, what you're doing, like the day-to-day tasks that if it doesn't serve your why, it's not going to contribute to your long-term success. So I think knowing your why and like, yeah, knowing your why, like, why are you going into this project or your business? And yeah, I think that has really helped me stay grounded with ABG and anything that I do. Um, but yeah, I think that's my advice. That's, that's very deep. Really good advice. That's probably not a podcast episode. Um, why? Yeah. <laughs> why? W-H-Y. Why? Yeah. Awesome. So where can our listeners find out more about you and Asian Boss Girl online? 
Yeah. So you can find me on my, I guess my Instagram at Melody C. Chang. And for Asian Boss Girl, you can find us at all the podcasting platforms on Spotify, Apple Podcasts at Asian Boss Girl. And our Instagram is at Asian Boss Girl, or you can also find us on our website at AsianBossGirl.com. Awesome. awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on today's podcast, Melody. Yeah, it was thank you. amazing hearing your story. Thank you so much for being on. Yeah, thank you. No, thank you for inviting me. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to the show. We would like to get to the top 10 on iTunes, so be sure to leave us a five-star review. We release an episode every single Wednesday, so stay tuned. Thank you guys so much.